honor all the servicemen and women that lost their lives in all wars. We thank you for their courage and their bravery. And we remember their families and we pray that you will comfort them today. Thank you that because of their willingness to sacrifice their lives for our country, we can live in freedom today. Amen. Thank you very much. Father, I just thank you for what you've put on Phil's heart this morning, and I just pray, Father, we'll receive it, and that you'll just uh, just bless him with uh, your anointing, and that it will just flow. Amen. What you literally put on Phil's heart this morning. (laughs) Mm. That was great, wasn't it? That Bible Society thing. Just very powerful, very powerful. Um, I, you know, was thinking so much about this. Uh, Obviously been involved in helping the joint churches plan together the remembrance thing. And, you know, it, it is the sacrifice that was made was just unbelievable absolutely unbelievable you know there was about 60 million people lost their lives in the course of the second world war that's a lot isn't it oh dear i think there's another one ah <laughs> oh, it's sad it is sad um But as Winston Churchill said, never has so much been owed by so many to to so few uh, of those people. Those people who gave up their lives changed life as we know it completely. I mean, just try and imagine what it might have been like if they hadn't. And um, it's we owe a huge debt. So it's good that we can just kind of pay homage to that and honour honor those people and keep honouring it. Uh, you know, when was it? 1945, the last war finished. And so that's, what, 70 years? So if the average person was 20 years old when they finished the war, there'll be 90 now. So it's not going to be very long, is it? And Until there are no more survivors of, of that war. But we still need to keep remembering the price that was paid. So, yeah, good. Good, good, good job there. Um, and which leads me on to, um, you know, John fifteen uh, thirteen. He came up with what was it, John eleven thirty five. I was going to say ten thirty five. Jesus wept uh, with compassion as he looked onto Jerusalem at, at that time. Uh, but he does weep, and he, his heart does get sad. But he also said in John 15:13, "There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends," and uh, he he knew that. And there's a there's a couple of things I want to look at this morning. I, I was thinking, what what do we call what do we call this message? Because some something in me, I wanted to address a couple of questions. Okay, one is, why did Jesus need to die? Okay, why did he need to die, number one? Because uh, he gave up his life for his friends, didn't he? Um, but also, why, why did it happen in such apparent weakness? You know, we know it wasn't weak in the end, was it? It was, it was an amazing victory. But 
on the surface if it was weakness. So there's two little questions I want to uh, begin to look at. And um, why, why did he have to die? I just thought it would be good to restate this. You know, this is the gospel, isn't it? This is the whole reason that we're here. And sometimes we don't restate some of these kind of very fundamental and foundational scriptures that are the reason that we're here. So, permit me, if you would, indulge me to just sort of go through one or two of them. There was a problem, Houston. There was a problem. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, Listen. The Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. There was a problem. Sin makes a barrier between us and God. That's, that's what the scriptures say. Your sins have cut you off from God. We don't know the dynamics of that and... We heard uh, John talking about the Father heart of God and how, you know, he is able to look on sin. He's not scared of it. But in some way, the scriptures do say it's our sins that cut us off from God. So that's a fundamental problem. Okay. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And... We know that sin, in one way or another, leads on the pathway to death, whatever death is. It's not just physical death, it's spiritual death. Now, what is spiritual death? I believe it is separation from God. That's what spiritual death is. Um, So, our sins lead us on that pathway to death. Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it is the way of death. So that's kind of all pretty negative, isn't it? Sins separating us off from God, blocking us. And I've heard it described as sort of like, here we are, and God's up here, and our sins become a block. They become a, a block between us and God. Okay. So, the solution, what was the solution? Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. This is prophesying about Jesus. It was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. So here we are. We're blocked. We've got sin between us and God blocking us. But it said God took those sins and put them on Jesus. Okay? He took our sins and put them on Jesus, leaving the way open for us to be reconnected, reconciled, restored in perfect communion with the Father. But for a moment, those sins were upon Jesus. 
And that's why it says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus. Okay? It, Christianity is probably the only exclusive religion on earth. Many other religions talk about there are many pathways to God, many ways to find God in different styles, through different gods. But Christianity says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So the only way for us to get reconciled with the Father is through what Jesus did on the cross. The fact that he took our sins upon him. He allowed himself to bear all of those sins, to take the pain, the punishment in his body that really our sins deserved. That's what the gospel's all about. He did it for us, okay? It is the truth. This is the truth with a capital T. This is what Jesus did. He shed his blood for us to restore us into relationship with the Father. And it says, Romans 8.8, 8, a lot of scriptures today. Follow along if you will. Romans 8.8, 8, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I, I mean, this is, this is kind of a, an amazing, amazing picture. This whole thing of while we were still sinners and not in the remotest bit interested in our Heavenly Father, God, in his mercy and his love, sent Jesus to die, to shed his blood on the cross. You know, I, I, see, a, I see it as a picture, you know, like of a, of a, of a toddler having a complete tantrum We've had the visual today. And, uh, you know, and everything's kind of fighting and kicking and spitting and punching and all of this. And God just comes, wraps them up in his arms and just says, I love you. I love you. You know, even though everything is pushing away, everything is blaming, everything is not wanting to go there, he comes and says, I love you. I love you. And he did that through Jesus on the cross. So that's why Jesus had to die. There was no other way. Colossians 2.13, you were dead because of your sins. This is, this is where I think it doesn't just mean physical death, okay? That sin leads to physical death. Because Paul's talking to the Colossians, he said, you were dead because of your sins. So he's talking about another kind of death because they're alive, they're listening to it, Okay. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sin sinful nature had not yet been cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all of our sins. He cancelled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, 
He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. It was an amazing victory. It was an amazing victory because in that moment when he took the sins that were on us upon himself and it was for every sin that had been committed, that was being committed and would be committed in the future. He took everything upon him. Hebrews says he took it once and for all done and dusted for every sin throughout the whole of history was taken upon him in that moment. And if we choose to accept that gift which is being given to us by Jesus Christ, then all of that stuff gets lifted off us and the way is open to us. That's a good word, isn't it? It's amazing, it's amazing. That's why each one of us is here. Because we are being drawn to God to be in relationship with God. And now, it is fantastic to know there is nothing that stands in the way. It re- that's why I was beginning to think, what should we call this? And I, I, when that first song came up, I thought, what we've got to call this is, this is amazing grace. This is the most amazing grace that we have full access to the Father now. Even sins that we haven't yet committed, and it is still possible to sin, even those sins he does not hold against us anymore because Jesus has paid the price for them on the cross already. He knew what was going to happen. And so at any moment, any time of any day, By faith, we can boldly approach the throne of grace if we receive that gift that he has done for us. That's why Jesus needed to die on the cross. That is the foundation for everything that we do here. How we can be in the presence of God. How the presence of God can manifest himself here at this moment. It's not because of what we've done. It's not because of how good we are. It's not how good the songs are. It's not how hard we sing in tongues or do whatever it's nothing to do with that it is the grace of God it is that amazing victory that Jesus won on the cross through shedding his blood disarming the spiritual rulers and authorities shaming them publicly by his victory on the cross when he said it is finished it really was finished it was done done dusted once and for all we now have free access And if you believe that, if you get that in your heart and really believe that's the way, you can just walk straight up to him today and just sit in his lap and really embrace the fullness of that father heart message that John brought so brilliantly uh, the weekend before last. So so that's part one, okay? And we'll, we'll have some responses maybe later. But part two, I've been thinking about uh, I've been thinking about weaknesses. Now, okay, th- this is a slightly countercultural message, okay? Because a-, a lot of what we speak is talking about the destination that, that God wants for us, the-, the goodness that he has for us, the inheritance that we are to step into. But there is clearly a place for weakness. There is, there is... I am weak, okay? I am that soldier, okay? It is like, it's a reality. 
And what I want to do is just, look, you see, Jesus, when he died on the cross, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he could have dreamt that with a much more Frank Peretti sort of way of um, delivering a great victory, bringing a legion of angels to come and deal with all the demons and devils and all of that. But he didn't. He chose to submit himself. He chose to humble himself, to come down, be a servant, grow up, grow up as a baby, become among us, and then submit himself to death on a cross. It's kind of like, I don't, you know, it's not the way I would have done it. And uh, so I want to look, if that was the way Jesus was doing it, it he was kind of put in that place of being in, in perfect submission to the Father God. And, and really, um, you know, and it, it wasn't an easy choice for him. You look at him in the garden, and he was sweating drops of blood, wasn't it? As he began to just think over what was about to happen. We don't know the exact detail. The Bible, I think, is purposefully evasive in detail uh, so that we have to seek after the Father for ourselves and understand the detail behind it. But we do know he sweat drops of blood. And that was the same as many of the soldiers in the First World War. It was recorded in the trenches that they would literally sweat blood. And it's, an, it's a sign of extreme stress and fear coming upon them. And Jesus prayed, didn't he? He said, My, you know, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. So, you know, in his heart of hearts, there was a side of him that was saying, I don't want to do this, God. I'm just registering my thoughts here. But then he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Okay. Did he know exactly what was going to happen? Looks like it, I would say, from the account. He knew what he was going to step into. And yet, through it all, he didn't, he didn't put his case. He didn't say, hang on a minute, I'm right. You didn't know that's wrong. You didn't say that and all of that. He kept quiet through the whole thing and submitted himself to the process. And that whole process resulted in the most amazing victory <laughs> in the whole of history. So there is a place for this. And I want to just look at one or two scriptures that talk a little bit about weakness, if that's okay with you. So 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is the story of Paul the Apostle who, um, you know, probably had some of the most clear revelations of I mean, much of the New Testament comes from the Apostle Paul, doesn't it? A lot of the doctrine, the teaching that we have as a church comes from him. And he never actually spent time with Jesus. Uh, his revelation of Jesus came through an encounter. He was the one who was kind of knocked off his donkey by a blinding light, was blinded, had an encounter. And, it, and Jesus spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And you know, and, and then he went on and the Bible teaches that Paul had these amazing revelations. It said one day, he said, whether in body or not in body, I was transported to the third heaven. And, you know, clearly at those times, he must have met with Jesus. That's kind of Jesus's place, isn't it? Uh, his pad. And so he went and received, I think, a lot of the revelation that we have in the New Testament. But in that, he seemed to have some kind of problem going on, okay, because there was this thing that was called the thorn in the flesh. There was something that he had to go through 
Okay, and 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay? So here we learn that the power of God works perfectly through weakness. You know, I had a little word pop in to my mind the other day as we were... Uh, it was a Tuesday morning and Sue Lings had exactly the same word on the same morning. We didn't talk to each other. She went and gave it to someone else. I, I kind of received it and began to ask the Lord, what are you saying about this? But it was about giants in the land. Okay, It was about... Uh, and, it, and the reference that I was thinking of was, you know, when the spies went in to spy out the land, they... Um, some kind of looked at all of the things around and said, oh, there's giants in the land, you know, we're going to get trounced. Let's not even think about it, they're far too strong. And two of them went in and said, the land's good. We can easily do it. We can really take it, you know, Joshua and Caleb. And, and, and that, that's the context for the giants in the land. Those giants were very real things. They were kind of big guys with swords who, you know, were there defending the land. Now, of course, a long period of time goes on after that before they actually cross over the Jordan and go into the promised land. And, you know, those same giants were still there, okay? Those giants were there and ready and waiting for them. And that was part of what they had to confront as they went in. Sometimes when we think, Oh, we're going into the promised land. We kind of have this vision of glory and, yeah, it's going to be really excellent and it's going to be easy and everything's just going to come to us really uh, easily. But actually, when you look at it, actually, it got a bit tougher to start with. The, The manna stopped. The water from the rock stopped. Kind of all of that wonderful kind of provision thing that was going on where God was looking after them pillar of fire by night and pillar of cloud by day where he was watching over them in the wilderness all of that just suddenly stopped and here they are in the land and there was great blessings in the land but there was also contention in the land there was huge contention and they had to confront some of those giants that they'd spied out some 40 years before And I feel this is a little bit where we're at at the moment. These giants are coming and confronting us. I've I've said to a number of people, I have been experiencing an unprecedented sense of the manifest presence of God in the last few weeks, just constantly at most inappropriate times, pretty much all the time. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on? I... You know, I don't deserve this. No, you don't deserve this. But he's there. His presence is there. And I think, Brian, you were listening to Bill, weren't you, at the Open Heavens Conference this year. And and he was saying, you know, if you find yourself in a place where you're experiencing the presence of God frequently, 
uh, and it's kind of beyond the normal sort of occasional thing. It's usually because God is taking you into a new place. It is a new phase. It's a new season that is about to be bursting forth. And I think that's where we're at. We're in this. We're stepping into it. And the giants in the land are the things that confront us in our inmost being. They are things that cause fear to rise up. They are things that exalt themselves above the name of Jesus. They try to. You know, and the bit, the way that we do our warfare in here, 2 Corinthians 10.4, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And the way that we do it is by taking captive every thought and bringing it into subjection or obedience to Jesus Christ. That's how we do our warfare, by allowing him to renew our minds. So, okay, let's tie this together. These giants that are coming at us, uh, and uh, honestly, I've just heard of so many people who are faced with something that is kind of a bit overwhelming at the moment, and sometimes it's something that has happened before. It's a repeat of something. It's kind of like something that has uh, caused some kind of fear or or, um, trouble in the past, but it is exalting itself again and kind of saying, what do you really believe? What do you really believe about it? And, you know, this is the time. This is the time where we are to stand up. This is the time where we are to say, okay, so what do you believe about this? Okay, you've had all the theory for the last 40 years or so. What about the practical now? Let's take hold of it. Because the grace of God is there. The grace of God is, the, is an amazing thing. This is that amazing grace. It is the grace that allows us to approach him. That is the unmerited favor. That is the unearned mercy that allows us to boldly approach the Father. But also, it is the empowering presence of God that goes with us. And that's what I believe he wants to release today. He wants to release that empowering presence upon us to overcome these giants in the land. Okay? We'll get to that. Let's just kind of look a little bit more at the weakness thing. Remember, this is 1 Corinthians 1.26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that a few of you... Few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things which the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose those things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You know, I had that prophesied over me (laughs) right as I took on my first ministry role, house group leader. Someone prophesied over me, he chooses the weak things to shame the strong. (laughs) The foolish things to confound. I said, thanks a lot. But now I know that it's true. Now I know that it's truth. I, you know, there's certain things which you think are abilities that are strength 
gifts that are, you know, that you can do things in a certain way. But actually, when it comes to it, they are nothing. They're rubbish. And that actually, the place that it is safest is in complete weakness, complete emptiness, complete just say, the things that I count as good are as filthy rags, you know. He is the one who comes to fill that emptiness. And it, as that last scripture said, my power works best in weakness. His power is perfected in weakness. So in those places where we can say, it's not us that did it, it's him. And I don't care what the situation is. I don't care if it's finances. I don't care if it's relationship. I don't care if it's sickness or illness. His power works best in weaknesses. And if we can empty ourselves out, if we can come to him in that place and just acknowledge him as God, he is able to fill us with that amazing grace, that empowering presence of God that comes to, and this is the important thing. This is not just to get you through this thing, okay? It is not so that you can just endure. It is coming to bring solution. It is coming to bring the answer. It is coming to bring you into a knowledge of who he is, true revelation of who he is. Do you remember Job said at the end of his trial, he said, you know, my my ears had heard about you, but now I know you. It was kind of taking from knowledge to experience, to encounter. That's the destination that he wants us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided while I was with you, I would forget everything except for Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, (laughs) get his teeth back in, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. That's the place that we need to be. We need to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to trust not in human wisdom or great abilities. You know, in Deuteronomy 8, uh, when after uh, Israel had come into the promised land and God gave, began to give them his law um, and he kind of did all of these great things and said if you listen to my voice and do the things then all these good things will come upon you you'll be blessed in the country, blessed in the city blessed going out, coming in blessed in your health, blessed in your needing and all of that sort of stuff well he kind of laid out all of those promises but then right um, he, he gave this statement which he said um, you know, okay, so when you have come into your big houses, when you have got all your camels floating around the thing, when everything is very successful, when things are going well for you, you should never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. You shall remember 
It is the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. That wonderful covenant that we talked about before, that I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. That was the covenant. Okay, That was the covenant that he said, and God blessed his people. But he warned them in it and said, look, be careful, because the temptation will be to think, by my strong arm have I done all of this. I'm pretty clever. I can, I can do stuff, you know. No, it's him who gives you the power. It is his power. We're not to trust in human strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing else but the Holy Spirit. And that is all that we need. That is all we need at this moment. So, grace, the empowering presence of God, an undeserved favour and mercy. Philippians 4 said, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. I think we need to be able to be peaceful in every situation. That's, that's the key to coming through. Whatever it is that God's is to receive the peace of God within us, to know that his power, his grace, his empowering presence is sufficient for what needs to be done. And that's where real peace comes. And it's being content. So if you're in a financial crisis, find that place of peace and know that he is the God who is able to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. He is that God. That's where that peace comes from. If there's fears about work coming upon you, he is the God that brings peace. He is the God that brings wisdom and revelation. He brings a solution to everything. He is the one. This is where weakness, you see, we have to get to the place of not having peace for the weakness, but peace in the weakness. We have to be content in the weakness, but not content with the weakness, if you know what I mean. Because the destination is he always wants to bring us through. Remember we're talking in Psalm 84, I think it talks about you know, uh, blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, the place of weeping and trial, they make it a place of springs. And each one will come before the Lord in Zion. The, the emphasis on this is passing through, okay? Not setting up camp in the middle of it, but coming through, coming through, coming through. That's the destination. That's where we're going. So, what do we do then? Man, we're ahead of time. What has happened? I think it's because there's time to pray. There's, I feel like there's real time to pray today and administer some of the amazing grace of God, the power of God. I want us to be able to just kind of pray for one another. So, we'll get on to that. So, so what to do in these situations? And... And trust me, everyone is facing situations 
one way or another. You know, on one hand, you've got this great blessing that's bursting forth, and on the other hand, you've got this great challenge which is coming up, and you think, I don't know how to do this. Everyone is in that position in one way or another. And the answer is always run to him and not from him. To just come and throw yourself on his grace, upon his mercy. Acknowledge your emptiness. Acknowledge your weakness. This is, this is where I say we've got that tension between acknowledging the destination of where he wants to call us through, but being real about the situation that we're in. And acknowledging that situation and throwing yourself upon him and confessing that promise that his grace is sufficient. Yes, sufficient to get us through, but sufficient to solve the problem, actually. And that is the destination. He is bringing you through this. Run to him and not from him. Don't allow your problems to cause offence, to bring offence in your own heart. Because where offence begins to rise up, where we allow that bitter root to get established in our heart, it can, it can defile many. So rather than getting offended and saying, oh, why am I going through this? No one else is going through this. I'm you know, I and I alone and all of this. Don't allow it. Just take captive every thought and say, God's got me on a journey. This is the destination. I'm coming through this. I'm coming through the Valley of Baca and his grace is sufficient for me to sustain me and sufficient to bring me through to the destination where the problem is solved. The answer is always Jesus. What he did on the cross, he shed his blood. We just read that Isaiah 53, didn't it? I mean, what, what situation does that not cover um, it was for our weakness yet it was our weaknesses he carried it was our sorrows that weighed him down so we've got weaknesses we've got sorrows we thought uh, his troubles were a punishment from God a punishment for our own sins he was pierced for our rebellion so our rebellious nature he took the punishment for that Crushed for our sins, he brings remission from sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. You know, where there's something missing, where there's some... He took the punishment to solve that problem. He was whipped so that we could be healed by his stripes on his back. We were healed, we are healed. You know, I, I am a big believer in the complete redemptive work of the cross. We've talked about this before, you know, Adam and Eve created in the garden in peace, in health, in provision, in good relationship. They had everything. It was perfect. They lost it through sin. They, they were removed from that environment where they had all of those things. But the good news is Jesus came and won it all back on the cross. Everything back. He came to break the power of the curse that came upon them when they entered into rebellion. And if we will receive it, we can step into it. Worship him. You know, this is our act of reasonable service that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And I think, you know, when you're going through something, when you're in a place of weakness, you have an amazing opportunity 
to offer a sacrifice of praise. It's very difficult to offer a sacrifice of praise when everything's going well because it's not a sacrifice. It's easy. When things are not going so well, it's hard. And in those moments where you begin to offer up sacrifices of praise, it comes as a very pleasing sacrifice and a fragrance before the Lord because he knows what it costs. You know, David, when he was offered the threshing floor to uh, offer his burnt sacrifice and the guy said, I'll give it to you for free. I'll give it to you for free because you're the king and I want to honor you and I want to bless you. Most of us today would say, way, free stuff. That's good. But David said, no, I'm going to offer you full price because I will not offer something to the Lord that has cost me nothing. He knew about the cost of sacrifice. Worship him. Get into that place. Throw ourselves on him. Spread ourselves out before him. Offer that sacrifice of praise. And then we can totally grab hold of this Hebrews 4.14. Last scripture and then we're done. Then we'll do some praying. Hebrews 4.14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This is so important at the moment. What has God called us to do? Hold on to it really tightly. If you've got prophetic words over you that say you're going to do this, then hold on to it and go for it. That is the truth. Okay, Hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The grace of God. This is amazing grace. This is the most amazing grace. So whatever giants you may be facing in the land at this moment, they are all bluster. They are trying to put you off your true inheritance. And it is time to take captive every thought, bring it into subjection, into obedience of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. So if you're facing something, if you're facing illness in your body, then just remind him, this healing belongs to me because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is the truth of the matter, okay? If you're facing challenges in business, in work, in finances, whatever they are, take captive every thought, come before him and receive grace that you need for this moment, for this time. Okay? There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Many of us need it most right now. Shall we stand? Now, I I really believe that God wants us to find grace. Do you think you could tinkle the old ivories? Yes, 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 yes. So, now, I, I believe there is an opportunity for us to receive grace today. The empowering presence of God. And, and it's going to, 
you know, in some cases it's going to bring a solution. In some cases it's going to bring revelation. In some cases it's going to bring peace. Whatever it is, trust me, it's what you need right at the moment. So we're going to have an opportunity for that. So I need some ministry team people out here if you are not in need of incredible grace at this moment, okay? In which case you can become the ministered team. But anyone, any of any of the team, just kind of, yeah. Now, also, any of the prophetic team here who, because I really sensed that um, we were going to release some words of prophecy over people, just kind of one-to-one, not through the microphone, okay? But just one-to-one because the prophetic word is there to bring encouragement, to bring strengthening, and to bring comfort. That's what it does. And so it would be really good to release the prophetic at this time. Now we've got um, word of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, just felt the Lord say to me last night that he was talking to me about emptiness and stuff. And I just felt that that was for someone here today, that there's someone or some people here today who just feel really empty inside. And God just spoke to me that he created the universe and created the world and everything in it from nothing. And then he looked at it and he said it was good. And if you're feeling empty inside, then God really wants to do that creative work in you and make it something good. Excellent. I think that could be a lot of people. Uh, Are there any other words of knowledge or anything? John, you getting anything at the moment? Just If you do, just come up and bring them up because sometimes that word of knowledge can just unlock something and unlock a little bit of faith and hope in someone's heart. Okay. But if you need to receive this grace in any way, and I don't care what the situation, I don't care how serious, how simple, how trivial, whatever, if you need to receive grace in this moment, just come up and kind of stand in front of one of these lovely people and uh, let's just begin to pray. Yeah, Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you that you do... um, you do choose the weak things to confound the strong. The foolish things to shame the wise. Lord, we just acknowledge with it and identify with it and just say, yeah, we are those people. And we need your grace. We need your grace. We need your grace. So will you come? Yeah, we were saying in the prayer meeting that if you're feeling empty, that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. You are prime candidate to be filled. You can't fill a full vessel. Okay, so if you're feeling empty, that's good. If you want to just kind of get filled up with the Holy Spirit. If you've got a need for healing, come come forward and just get someone to pray for you, okay? Just, just begin to move now. Father, we just declare the grace of God over every situation in this place. The grace of God. We declare the victory of Jesus on the cross in this place. We declare breakthrough in this place. We declare sound minds in the name of Jesus are taking captive of every thought through what Jesus did 
on the cross. If there's anyone here as well from when I was talking about what Jesus did on the cross has never come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and would really like to, uh, then come up and see me now and we can just pray together for a, a couple of minutes. And it's really easy to get into that place of knowing him as your Lord and Saviour. Yeah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let it come, let it come, let it come. Just more of your presence, more of your presence, more of your presence. Yeah, Jesus, 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 come. We love you, we worship you, we worship you. You are the Lord and there is none like you. Yeah. As uh, Paul was sharing earlier, not the Apostle Paul, but Brother Paul, there's a lot of favour going on in business at the moment. Uh, it is, there's been some amazing things, extraordinary things have, have been happening in, in my world. So if you would like to receive some of that favour in business, come up and... We'll have, a, we'll have a pray for you as well. See some breakthrough. Grace, it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that comes. <laughs>